Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. And today we're going to be responding to our listener feedback. Yeah, we got a great question about just explain more information about the keto diet. It does seem like it's the hot topic, doesn't it? It is. It absolutely is. I think us dietitians maybe sometimes like to talk about this because I'd love for people to know the truth about it. So let's uh, maybe take a little bit of a deeper dive today into the keto diet. like to think that we're sort of uh, old lady dietitians sometimes, don't you? <laughs> like, yes. When we got started, it did seem like that fat was sort of public enemy number one, doesn't yeah. it? And it? Yeah, it really was. You know, nobody ate butter or cream or bacon uh-huh. and sort of all seems to be afraid of those types of things. Right. And yeah. Snack wells, cookies were the... Oh, yeah. My, I remember snack well cookies. <laughs> I think they still exist. I've they seen do. them. I yeah, I've seen so. them a couple of times. Yeah. So we'd have never thought that we would have the pendulum swing the other way, right? Right. That yeah. fat is back. You know, I remember seeing that Time magazine, it might have been Time magazine cover with the big pat of butter on it yeah. saying fat is back. Fat is back. <laughs> um, and right. But why is that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we'd kind of get into this keto diet today. Um, we had a listener question. Which, again, we love your listener questions. Yeah. So if you have you know, more that you want to talk about or more that you want us to address in a future episode, again, we'll give our contact information at the end of the podcast so you have to listen <laughs> to the whole thing. So, But the keto diet actually has some history to it. And so we're going to do a little nutrition history lesson, lesson to get started today. Yeah, I believe it started back in like 1920s, early 1920s. Right. So there was not a really good way for us to treat epilepsy in children, Correct. you know, 100 years ago. This is before good medications were available. Mm-hmm. And so they put kids on this very restrictive, low-carbohydrate diet because what it did for the brain is that it mimicked fasting. You know, they found that kids who were in a fasted state, so not eating anything, uh, had better control of their seizures. And... But you, because you can't put people in a fasted state forever because they right. would die, right. um, it's not really going to work. We right. do have to eat. They found that severely restricting carbohydrates mimicked this sort of fasting state in the brain. Yeah. And for a while, this is really a popular treatment for kids with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. But then medications were developed and the diet fell out of favor. Yeah. And it just seems low like in the last few years that maybe it's making a resurgence. And so we thought, I don't know how much you're seeing in practice. I know I'm mm-hmm. seeing several patients that are interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how you're seeing, what you're seeing in terms of your clients coming to you about this diet. So the interesting thing I'd say is the clients that come to see me, I would say the majority of them are not what they say they're in, they're trying the keto diet, but they're really more on a low carb diet, not really a keto diet. Right. So the difference is with a keto diet, it's about ninety percent fat. Right. A true keto true diet. Keto. Right. Which is interesting because you know if you do you know if you go online and you look up the macronutrient percentages for keto, yeah, you will see a whole gamut of numbers. Right. There's no real consistency in what true keto diets should be. Right. But if we talk about what keto diets were 
for kids with epilepsy. It was an extreme high amount of fat. Right. And what they are for kids who still follow something like this for epilepsy. You know, I remember going to a webinar a few years ago that was talking about the recipes that they were preparing for kids. And, you know, we're talking about butterballs. Right. Not necessarily a palatable diet for that reason. And I think that's, that's what's interesting to me is that keto now is almost, um, if we all remember the Atkins diet, right? people who say they're doing keto now, I think in many ways are doing just a very low carbohydrate diet. Right. Similar to Atkins. Very so, similar to Atkins. But it's just, it's become, the fad has become that it's keto. Right. And uh, so, you know, they're given that. And you go with the flow as a dietitian, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, there's a varying degrees. And so I think what was called Atkins is now really just called keto. And right. that's what people are doing. It's a medical-sounding name. It kind of sounds yeah, official, Yeah, it sounds better. It? Right. But basically what's happening is we're putting these people into a state of ketosis. Right. And so there are what we're finding different ways of getting there. Right. You don't have to be on this true ketogenic diet. Right to get to well, you do need to get you need to be on a very low carbohydrate diet to get to ketosis. Right, but it doesn't have to be a high fat. For example, people who do very low calorie diets, VLCDs, mm-hmm. put themselves in a state of nutritional ketosis, even though it's not a high fat diet. Right, um, the shakes are not necessarily very high in fat, but they are so low in carbohydrate yeah. that they put the body in a state of nutritional ketosis. And nutritional ketosis is actually really safe for a time. You right. Know, it's not something for you want to be in for the rest of your life, right. obviously. But for weeks or months, it's, it's probably a safe state to be in. Right. When you deprive the body of glucose, which is the main source of energy for our body, mm-hmm. which is, comes from carbohydrates in our diet, there's an alternative fuel produced called ketones, um, which is produced from the stored fat in our body. So that term ketogenic that's mm-hmm. where that comes from right the brain develop you know needs glucose it to function it Correct. does it's so about 120 needs a constant supply right otherwise your brain does not function right. about 120 grams a day and it can't store glucose for you know when you don't have it it just needs that constant supply like you said when you're fasted or when you're not eating a lot of carbohydrates the body pulls that stored glucose first from your liver which what is what happens overnight when you don't eat? Right. I mean, if we don't, you know, go to bed for eight hours and right. then you don't maybe eat for an hour before bed and an hour after you get up, you know, if you're not eating anything for 10 hours, the body goes to that stored form of glucose in our liver to provide that glucose for the brain. But if that continues over several days where you're mm-hmm. not eating enough carbohydrates, that glucose is fully depleted in the liver and you know, that hormone insulin in our body that responds Mm -hmm. to eating carbohydrates decreases and the body begins to break down fat for its primary fuel. Right. Again, that liver produces ketone bodies from fat, which again can be used in the brain and the body in the absence of of glucose. And again, that's called ketosis, which again is a very safe, you know, uh, for healthy people. Yeah. A very safe to way to to deal with not having enough carbohydrates in the diet. Right. Again, for a short period of time, for weeks to months, is a is a completely safe way to be. And see, I have a hard time like that we're to that point mm-hmm. because honestly, 
the body is meant to use this system in states of emergency. Right. And when usually we're not in a state of emergency exactly. for months. Right. We talk about our evolution. You know, there were times where you didn't have food. Right. <laughs> you know, our, right. our ancestors didn't have food. And so they did need to be able to be able to not die. Right. Um, so when they ran backup system. When they ran out of food. Right. But that's... This is where we are with it. Yeah. Um, this is the reason, though, that it that it works. And I think that's the reason I, as a dietitian, personally have mm-hmm. a problem with it. Because right. from a physiological standpoint and from understanding the way the body works and the body wants to work, it wants to have that constant supply of glucose. It doesn't want ketones. Right. <laughs> but, so, but, but we're talking about why the diet works. I'm, yeah, yeah, I know. Right, yeah. right. I just... Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I just want to explain kind of why dietitians are so maybe hesitant right. about this and why it's a big deal. It's, right. It's, it is a backup system, and we are learning more about it. Right. And we are learning that we can be in it for a longer state of time. Right. Should we be? Should we be? That was the question I right. guess I keep asking myself. Right. So I did want to clear up a little bit of a misconception between ketosis, which is generally for healthy individuals a safe state to be in. Mm-hmm versus ketoacidosis. Correct. And so when we heard those words ketosis, sometimes we jump to that... Ketoacidosis. Right, that sort of scary, life-threatening right. state that mm-hmm. can happen for people with diabetes. That's what us dietitians do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So ketoacidosis is a different bird. Okay. Um, ketoacidosis is when excessive ketone bodies change the pH of the blood. And this happens for people with type 1 diabetes because they don't make any insulin at all. Mm-hmm. So when ketoacidosis occurs, the kidneys begin to excrete those ketone bodies along with body water and urine, causing some fluid-related weight loss and dehydration, which mm-hmm. often puts people in the hospital. Uh-huh. Again, because, again, like you said, it's affecting the pH of the blood. Right, which is something you can't, we don't want to mess with. You your can't. PH, your, yeah, your body you wants will, to be in a certain pH. You will feel your, bad. Right. Yes. You're, well, and it's a life-threatening situation. <laughs> Correct. Um, For that reason, people with type 1 diabetes need to approach ketogenic diets very carefully, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done some reading where people who are type 1 diabetic follow this very low-carbohydrate regimen with a lot of adjustments in their medication. This is not a DIY thing for people with diabetes. This is not... Very closely with your physician. Right. With your endocrinologist. If you're mm-hmm. a type 1 diabetic, I hope that you have one. You should be working with that person uh, to make sure this is not something that you want to jump in and do right. on your own because yeah. you can cause yourself some serious medical consequences. Yeah. So I think that's really important to yeah. remember. They're just more susceptible right. to those issues. Nutritional mm-hmm. ketosis for a healthy individual is a safe state to be in. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and in, in even if we have, you know, people who go into these sort of ketosis diet programs, they're medically screened and medically monitored very carefully. Yeah. This is not something where they're sent home and never seen again. They're brought right. back in very frequently yeah. uh, for medical monitoring. It mm-hmm. is not, and if there's any indication this is not going well, right. you know, they're going to be taken off the program. Yep. So I think that's really important to remember as yep. well. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Good description of the difference there so let's talk about those macronutrient distributions and you talked a little bit about you know in your clinical practice people come and they say they want to follow keto Mm -hmm. but really if you talk to them enough maybe low carb suffices so tell me a little bit about that correct 
So, you know, it, it runs the gamut, gamut. And I have had clients who are, are in a couple different states. So I have, if I have a client come to me and we have other medical concerns, I've had uh, concerns that require weight loss and mm-hmm. weight loss will be beneficial, number one. Right. In those instances, the keto diet or a low-carb diet is a good way to see some weight loss and continue to have some weight loss and have some success. Mm-hmm. The problem is that when you're – it's not a lifelong diet. Right. I, I, try, I try to – when I talk to people through this is I want to make them understand that – we don't really have a lot of research out there that's shown long-term like benefits or mm-hmm. or long-term concerns with a ketogenic diet because people just it's impossible to stay on for right too long right right so I know there are some studies that have been started and they're trying to look at that but mm-hmm. not um, anything that's out there yet so you know, the idea is, is this something you're going to live with forever or not? You know, and so I talk my clients through a lot of, is this a lifestyle you really see yourself able to Mm -hmm. follow? Right. Because if you're not, if you keep taking yourself in and out of ketosis, then that's not going to be a benefit. You're going to see some, it's going to be slower, it's going to take longer and I, you kind of have to make the commitment to it. Well, and there are side effects to going to, into ketosis that right. um, oh, keto yes. flu that many people experience when they make when that transition over mm-hmm. to burning fat for fuel. You know, we talk right. about brain fog and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it sounds weird, but bad breath and yeah. just, you know, kind of feeling poorly. If you right. are somebody who exercises, you might find a pretty significant drop in your energy or your stamina or your ability to exercise in that first few days to a week. Right. You know, I from what I have read that, you know, the longer you stay on it, the less those side effects are. Correct. But it can be a rough transition. Right. So again, like you said, if you're in and out of ketosis, you're going right. back through that. Right. Yeah. And it's not so, a pleasant thing. Right. And we talk about drinking a lot of fluid because fluid can help you get through those hard days too. A right. lot of it is dehydration, like you said. And so right. keeping hydrated can actually help minimize those issues as well. Uh, so once they're committed to that, then yeah, we talk about those types of things and what to expect in terms mm-hmm. of those symptoms that you have with the first few days of being in this. And and then the the reality of what happens. So mm-hmm. the, the reality is that when you're you're going into a very low carb diet, your body's going to go through all your carbohydrate stores. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned in your gut and your liver and muscles and things like that, you're going to go through and your body's going to use those stores. When the body has carbohydrates stored in the body, it's stored with water. Right. And so what you're seeing initially with a, key, a low carb diet is you're seeing a lot of fluid loss. Right. And it feels so good. Right. right. It's that instant feedback. Yeah. That unfortunately, all of us want. Right. In life. We're all about. We want we that want, quick fix. We want it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there can be a lot of good feelings those first right. two weeks. Right. Because you see a big drop in the scale. Right. And unfortunately, that's not something that sticks around. Right. 
and can become frustrating. And maybe this is one of the reasons that long-term studies are difficult because people see that initial weight loss Mm -hmm. and then just like every other diet, low fat, low carb, whatever, it slows down. And when it slows down and you don't see that immediate feedback, it can be discouraging. Yeah, because even with that low carb diet being very consistent, you're probably likely to see it taper off to about a pound a week, two pounds a week at the most with men. Right. So women, it's going to be more like a pound a week. Right. Uh, And so, again, it's because you're creating a calorie deficit. So how do you like to create your calorie deficits? And the other thing is that can happen, and I like to set my clients up with the knowledge of, is if you are the type of person that you're going to have a family event and it's maybe a birthday party and there's cake and you're going to want a piece of the cake. Right. You're going to end up putting yourself putting out of ketosis. Yourself out of ketosis right. and potentially storing some carbohydrates. If you have a cheat day or whatever, that's going to store carbohydrates again, which stores it with water. water. So again, that weight loss that you saw in the beginning yep. comes back literally and then, overnight. Literally overnight, right. and people think, "Oh my God, I had one piece of cake and I gained five pounds. Right. I am never eating carbs again." Right. And they. Don't understand that it's the water weight. It's just the way the body works and wants to work. And so what we have to understand is, because that sets you up for this fluctuation in self-esteem. You think you failed. You know what I mean? And then you're either going to go back to a low-carb diet or you're going to go the other way and just say, forget it. I can't do anything right. Yeah. And so understanding the way the body is working, I think, is important. And right. setting p- people up for success to say, you know what? Right. It's not the end of the world. Right. You're going to take yourself out of ketosis by doing it. You're going to see some weight gain, but it's water weight. Mm-hmm. It's not true weight gain. Right. You can get back on it, right. but you're going to need to drink lots of water, and you're going to have the week of brain fog and you know, get and yourself back. back into the ketosis again. Right. So setting up those expectations, I think, is important with people who truly, I feel, are wanting to do a low-carb diet Mm -hmm. and wanting to um, see that weight loss, at least initially. And then I try to get them to realize that it's not going to be a long-term thing. Mm -hmm. And what we need to talk about is the long-term exit strategy out of that so that you don't, because eventually you're going to introduce carbs again. Right. And you're going to see weight gain because of the water. Right. And so we have to adjust for that as we go through the program. Right. Sustainability is so important. It really is. Yeah. You see some long-term studies about there, you know, out there with people with diabetes or people, Mm -hmm. type 2 diabetes, I should clarify, or people who are at risk for diabetes. Mm -hmm. And and the one thing to remember about these studies is that they are clinically controlled studies. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're often on not very large groups of people. And they are um, not necessarily real-world scenarios. Um, Not you or I doing the diet. So you Mm -hmm. see these headlines that sort of say this is superior to a low fat diet and for short term it is mm-hmm. but what most studies have shown is at the end of one year everybody's kind of in the same place mm-hmm. um, whether you went low carbohydrate or low fat there have some been some pretty exciting studies with neurological conditions and the ketogenic diet mm-hmm. but i think um, i do want to put a point of caution out there that these are really small studies right you know a few people mm-hmm. uh, maybe with parkinson's or alzheimer's disease that are not necessarily generalizable to the whole population yet. 
And then I've also seen some research that talks about the ketogenic diet may be beneficial for people with cancer. Yeah. But I do want to put that caveat out there, and I know you see this too, that people with cancer are at risk for weight loss. Right. And weight loss is a predictor of your risk of death with right. cancer. Right. And so if you're losing weight on the ketogenic diet yeah. and you have cancer, it's that's, that's that's not something I don't I don't want to see. Right. So it's it's really important that if people who are trying this, um, especially we're looking at brain cancers and these really difficult to treat mm-hmm. um, cancers, that, that you know be wonderful to have a dietary therapy that right. was effective. Right. Um, but it's not going to replace other treatments. First of all. But the other thing is that weight management and weight loss is not a good thing right. um, with people with cancer. It's not It's not a safe thing. Right. So that's something that, again, if you want to try this, needs to be under the guidance of your oncologist and, mm-hmm. and preferably a registered dietitian right. can help you manage your weight mm-hmm. and keep weight from, from disappearing, you right. know, um, which is, again, not something that you want for people with cancer. Right. So, you know, watch this space. There may be some really right. interesting dietary therapies for some neurological conditions, but I don't see them becoming primary therapies mm-hmm. for those conditions. And, um, and again, again, they come with... Again, it's not side... something you would do on your own. Right. It would be because your doctor's saying, Let's this try is something this we need to it. try. You do not go... If you have cancer, you should not be going on a low-carb or keto diet. Right, unless you're, again, working with your team to, to make sure that that's being done in a safe and effective way. And again, the other thing to remember is that cancer treatments come along with a lot of side effects that affect your appetite, and sometimes eating anything is better than eating nothing. Right. Um, and so that's the one thing to, to remember as well, that nutrition right. is so important right. when you're going through cancer treatment. And again, the side effects can cause you to not want to eat and right. so at that point, I think any calorie I can get into somebody is a good calorie. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So again, that's just kind of a, 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 some things that we're going to be, I think, watching over the next few years in research. For sure. Right. And then we also look at, you know, effects on cholesterol. You know, in these keto diets in kids who are epi- with epilepsy, mm-hmm. you know, we saw an increase in their bad cholesterols. Yeah. So it's something that there these things are not without complete, you know, low carb diets or ketogenic diets may increase your bad cholesterol, but they also might reduce your triglycerides, which is a good thing. Right. It might raise your good cholesterol, which is a good thing. Right. So there's there's some trade-offs. And again, if right. you're dealing with high cholesterol and you want to do this diet, this is something again working with your physician and and again, preferably a registered dietitian to get the best advice on how to do this safely and maybe Focusing on the healthier fats. Mm-hmm. Correct. You yes. know, focusing on those unsaturated fats like olive oil and some nuts and things mm-hmm. like that and avocados as opposed to making it the all-bacon diet as much, right. as much fun as that <clears throat> might be. Right. You know, um, <laughs> it, you, might, you might find that um, you're going to be more successful. Right. And like you said, maybe why does it work? You know, it puts people in a caloric deficit. I also tend to think it's... Um, you know, it's that sort of uh, principle of if I'm allowed to eat nothing but bacon, eventually right. I'm going to go grow tired of bacon. Exactly. And I'm maybe just going to eat less. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of people I find who come and want to explore this option, mm-hmm. they're in a position of 
having tried tons of different things and they right. feel like nothing's working and right. nothing's helping them. And so I think a lot of times too that I see a lot with my clients that there's some insulin resistance going on sure. initially before we try anything. And so a lot of times insulin resistance can be a factor as to why somebody isn't losing weight. Yep. And if we can get the blood sugar controlled and get it a little more consistent, we can see results. So right. another thing we explore is, yeah, you could do this ketogenic diet, but you could also do a carb control diet right. and eliminate this up and down of this diet right. that you're going to see. And controlling carbohydrates for a lot of clients can really do the trick. Right. But gives them the flexibility to be able to have a piece of cake occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And not necessarily see the scale go up 10 pounds overnight. Exactly. Right. And yeah. feel that frustration. Mm -hmm. um, that carb-controlled diets. And again, I think, you know, it's the quality of carb that you eat. I mm -hmm. think, again, we see the pendulum swing. Yes. There's a big difference for me, and I think we've talked about this in other episodes, between carbohydrates from pop and fruit juice and, right. and you know, sugary treats versus carbohydrates from oatmeal mm -hmm. and fresh fruits and vegetables. Right. And unfortunately, the keto diet doesn't distinguish between right. those types of carbohydrates. Just all carbs are bad. Right. And we shouldn't eat them. Right. We'll eat them extremely minute amounts. Right. Um, you know, maybe some low-carb vegetables and an occasional nut. <laughs> right. You know, but it, there's no distinguishing. I think we, if we didn't have to be so extreme, then maybe we'd be all better off. Mm -hmm. You know, if we could figure exactly. out a way to reduce those junkier carbohydrates. Right. Um, in favor of the healthier carb choices. Right. And that's, that's what ends up getting permeated, permeated out there into society with this low-carb, ketogenic mm -hmm. approach is that all carbs are bad. Right. It drives a dietitian crazy. Right. When my patients are saying, oh, I can't eat beans because they're too starchy. Right. They're too, they're too high in carbohydrates. Oh, my goodness. Right. Beans are so good for you. Right. You know, they're so high in fiber. They're high in protein. I hate to see anybody eschew beans because right. of the carb content. Yeah. Come on. You know, exactly. there's a really big difference um, between that and, and vegetables. Right. right. Just, between that ugh. and, you know, a big pile of white rice. Mm -hmm. You know, right. a really big difference in how the body is going to. Um, benefit from benefit it. from that exactly yeah. so many uh, and and the the lack of fiber on mm -hmm. this is guess this brings up a good topic the lack of fiber on the ketogenic diet constipation is a big problem yes oh, we yeah. see this we see this when patients go gluten free you know people become uh, constipated because they don't right. eat a, it's a great source of whole grains are a great source of fiber and and mm -hmm. if they don't eat that then they become constipated the same issue happens with keto when they cut out grains almost all fruits Correct. and many vegetables, vegetables, right, all of a sudden becomes a, a big issue with constipation. Mm -hmm. So again, working with a dietitian to plan your keto diet to include, mm -hmm. you know, raspberries, blackberries, nuts, plenty of vegetables so you can not be constipated, I think is super, super important. Yeah, for yep. sure. Yep. So let's talk about some of those nutritional deficiencies that we might find on the keto diet as well. We've already talked about fiber a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we could be looking at also deficiencies of vitamin D and calcium if you're cutting out dairy products. I worry about that a lot with right. a lot of clients. Right. So I think it's really important to, again, work with the dietitian to make sure that if you are going to go very low carbohydrate or keto, that you have it well planned. Mm-hmm. But I also think we have some unanswered questions yeah. about the diet. Yeah. So, for example, you know, what are the long-term effects of, or are there any safety issues related to the ketogenic diet? Right, because many of the studies that we have are a year in duration or less. Right. And we just don't know, will the pendulum swing back? You yeah. Know, yeah. Low fat was the thing in the early 90s. Are we going to see a return to, oh my gosh, maybe high fat's bad too? Right. You know, it, we just don't have the answers to that at this point. So I yeah. would say, you know, again... Safe in the short term, probably effective in the short term, but not necessarily something that is sustainable for life, which is to me what my goal is with patients is to create something where they're not hung up about food for the rest of their lives. Right. Um, Yeah, the long-term studies actually show weight loss over five years is about, I think, the same. Right. Because... It's we do return to our normal. We return to our normal eating yeah. habits. We we tend Correct. to do that. Correct. We also want to look about whether this is something that is sort of for high risk individuals, people with other health conditions, people who are a little bit older. Are there diseases where maybe, like with neurological issues, the benefits mm-hmm. will be outweighing the right. risks? Yeah, right. We just sure. don't have those answers at this point. Right. So again, if you or somebody who's dealing with a neurological condition, this is something that is certainly worth bringing up to your physician that, you know, I'm thinking about doing this or I think I need to meet with somebody so I can plan this well. Right. But I want to make sure that I'm not replacing my other therapies with a diet because it's likely not as effective. And I think about, to higher-risk people like the elderly or, you know, going on these types of diets. The other side effect we didn't talk about yet, I believe, is the kidney stones that can happen. Right. You know, the more meat you eat, the more likely (laughs) you are, especially if you're somebody who's prone to uric acid stones. Right. Um, Gout is another thing that we will sometimes see in people who are having drastically increased their protein and meat, especially from meat. Right. That's why the safer way to do this is higher fat, lower protein. Right. And low carb. Right. Are there, you know, but when we talk about high fat long term, are there impacts long term on your cholesterol? Yeah. You know, we know that, you know, children with who were on this, as like I said earlier, with, you know, with epilepsy, saw an increase in their cholesterol and their bad cholesterol. Do other health, other healthy people see the similar right. results long term? And I think there have been some studies. I was at a presenta- a professional presentation from a cardiovascular doctor who mm-hmm. said that there were some promising studies showing that it may be beneficial to cholesterol. Right, exactly. So I think that again we just don't have long-term studies. Exactly. Because again it's it's, it's a, such a difficult diet to, mm-hmm. to sustain long term. Right. And again is it too restrictive for kids? You know, I I don't I never oh, like to see any child yeah. on a diet. Correct. Um, I think it's counterproductive and leads mm-hmm. to not only the risk of eating disorders, but just a, like a lifelong mm-hmm. struggle. Correct. You know, those kids who are in diets often end up in 
our offices yeah. <laughs> later on in life. life right. You know, if mm-hmm. it fixed the problem as a kid, that would be great, but it doesn't. Right. And I just hate to see, you know, kids who are growing, maybe women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, adolescence. It's not something that you didn't <laughs> want to mess around with no. without doing more due diligence and working yeah. with healthcare providers who can right. say, okay, no, this is maybe not something you want to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would be concerned about kids growing. Correct. Right. When you, you do start not to want to stunt their growth or right. not give them the nutrients that they need during that important time. Right. So again, I think it's, it, it, it's worth, if you're something, you know, you're interested in, if you are somebody who wouldn't miss carbohydrates in your diet. I know I would. Yeah. Um, you know, I love a good apple in uh-huh. the fall. It's almost fall. Yes. I can't yeah. wait to go to the apple orchard and pick apples. Right. And I would be really sad if I couldn't eat those anymore. Right. Because I was doing the keto diet. Right. It's not yeah. something that's sustainable for me, but it doesn't mean that it's not sustainable for somebody else. Right. And I'm a big believer that you, know, you do what works for you, mm-hmm. but I also can come from my professional experience and say, yeah, you know, you might say, well, I wouldn't miss pasta and grains until you go to the Olive Garden with your family, and then all of a sudden you really do. Yeah, right. You know? Or, like, I've got all these homegrown tomatoes right now that I'll be doing probably a lot of homemade pasta sauces and right. things like that. Right, be really sad like, if you oh, couldn't so do sad. that. Yeah, right. I've been making pesto all summer. Right. And, yeah. And not I would able miss, to eat it. I would miss the pasta. Right, right. <laughs> but again, you know, there are many people who say, oh, I can, I can I just... I can do that. Right. Yeah. And again, again, as long as you're working with somebody who can help you plan that in a, a very healthy way right. and make up for those nutritional deficiencies that occur Correct. and be able to help you when you become constipated, I think, yeah. again, it's something that's, that, can, that can be done. Right. Um, and again, I think the, the thing to remember is we just don't have those, those long-term studies that I would like to see. Right. Um, and again... Maybe it doesn't need to be one of the other. Yeah. It doesn't need to be low fat. It doesn't need to be low carb. Maybe we can find some place in the middle. And that's what I'm hoping with this podcast that we can communicate with you is that yeah. we, we'd like to help you find that middle ground. <laughs> right. And you can't tell that we're more of a lifestyle approach. Right. Too. Right. The middle ground, I think, is where everybody can live a little bit happier, more sane right. life. Just yeah. more li- realistic with the way we live our lives. Absolutely. And- well, we thank our listener for her questions, yes. and we encourage your questions. You are welcome to email us anytime at dish at secretliferd.com, or you can visit our website, secretliferd.com, and we hope to see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.